Good Friday evening. I kind of want to talk about God's path for us. My wife and I were at the park today, and uh, or the botanical garden, and we were walking just around looking at trees, flowering trees and bushes and stuff and the grass and the beautiful sunlight. And we were walking on this uh, brick pathway. And the pathway led up to this house, this uh, big house with these big door on it. And along the path, it had these little signs in these little flower beds and uh, called pincushion. Uh, it's a pincushion garden that was started in England. And we, as we were walking and I was noticing the path and the doors ahead of us down just, I mean, actually quite a distance, probably probably 50 yards. But on these little flower beds, it said, stay on the path. And there was one after another. And immediately, I kind of put everything together. I, I saw we were on this, you know, this nice paver brick path going straight and leading right up to these big doors. And I immediately started thinking that the doors were heaven, you know, God's house. The path, the place we were walking was God's path that he wants us to stay on, his plan for us. And the little flower beds that said stay on the path um, was God's way of nudging us to continue going straight on the path, to stay on his plan for us. So I thought it was a beautiful metaphor. I mean, I, I was just, I was taken by it. I, I just thought it was, you know, really beautiful. I remember a while back, a couple years ago or so, I was reading about this uh, incident that occurred on the uh, French Riviera. A young man of some sorts was driving his, his convertible along this road, winding road near the sea. I can imagine it was a beautiful and, and scenic route. You know, that's why he took it. But the road was not what it seemed. Along the way, there were these warning signs. And yet to the young man, the road seemed perfectly good. But disaster awaited him. A, a landslide down the roadways had created this precipice, this big gouge in, in the road where the road had fallen away. No one should have been on the road. Definitely not in a convertible traveling that fast. But it's my understanding he continued at this great speed. He ignored all the warning signs that were along the, the road and he went straight over the cliff. You know, obviously he died. I guess my, my point in that story, even though I, maybe, I may not remember it exactly, but I know it was on the French Riviera uh, and it was driving and the road was washed away and, uh, and there were signs along the way and he just ignored them and then yet he, you know, he died. In life, you know, sometimes we're not sure uh, where a path will lead. Um, and, and at other times, we are very well aware of where it leads, but choose to follow it nevertheless, you know, regardless of the, of the danger signs. You know, Jesus said that there is a path that leads to life, 
There is also a path that leads to destruction, and that's in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Warning signs are not put up as a threat, but out of love. The signs on the Italian Riviera uh, that this young man ignored were erected to keep people safe. The words of Jesus, the New Testament, and the Bible as a whole are designed to keep us on the very path that leads to life. How do you make sure that you're on the right path? Once you are on that path, how do you stay on it? That's a good question. (laughs) Don't wander in a desert. Get on the wonderful road, as it says in Psalm 107. You, You cannot improve in any manner whatsoever. You cannot improve on God's purpose for you. God is good. God is perfect. God is almighty. He loves you. He wants the very best for your life. He has a wonderful road for your life. His love never runs out. He wants you to walk on his paths. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you to a great good place to live. He doesn't want you wandering for years in the desert like the, um, the Israelites when they left Egypt. He doesn't want you wandering, looking but not finding a place to live, half starved and thirsty, staggering and stumbling, exhausted, being disobedient. He doesn't want any of that because he loves us. The good news is that wherever you are, you can cry out to the Lord. And when you do so, he pours great amounts of water down our parched throats, our, our thir- you know, to quench our thirst and make sure we have plenty to eat. Four times in that Psalm 107, in this Psalm of Thanksgiving for God's many occasions of deliverance of his people, the psalmist says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Each time when the Israelites cried out to our Father in heaven, he rescued them. He wasn't happy with them, obviously, because they were sinning greatly. And they were bellyaching and complaining and moaning. That's the reason why their path in the desert took 40 years when they were only, they were less than four miles away from where they were, where the promised land was. Think about that. It's not that pleasant. The Apostle Paul was absolutely determined to do the right thing. He wanted to follow the right path. I don't know if you remember, but Paul had been falsely accused. The super apostles had tried to undermine him. And as a result, he had been misunderstood and attacked by those who ought to have known better. His friends, you know, people he prayed with and bled with. Absurdly, he had been accused of not wanting to take money from the Corinthians because he didn't love them. Just think about that. But Paul points out and pointed out that the reason he didn't take the money from them was because he did not want to be a burden to them. He says, what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, 
but parents for their children. It, it was because of his love for them that he would have gladly spent everything for them and indeed expended himself as well. Paul always acted in a way that was above board and honest, sometimes going way far than he probably ever really needed to. Everything that Paul did was for their benefit. He was not interested in their money or possessions, nothing, nothing material whatsoever. He was only interested in their souls. And just as Paul had done the right thing and stayed on the right course, he wants the Corinthians to do the same. He is afraid that some of them may be going off course. Quarrels, jealousy, flaring tempers, taking sides, angry words, rumors, swelled heads, bedlam, taking each other to court before uh, non-Israel, non-Jews. He, he is afraid that when he comes to them, he will find a crowd of people in the Corinthians that keep sinning over and over and over in the same old ways and, and that they will refuse to turn away from evil sexual disorder and immorality in, in the indecency in which they were wallowing. Turning away from these things to be sure that you were on the path that leads to life. The path that leads to life is a path of love. The kind of love that Paul had for the Corinthians. Maybe you think about that. It's a beautiful thing. Don't rush off in your own direction. Ask God about his plans for you. In Isaiah 29, 1 through 30, 18, Woe to you, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David settled. Add year to year and let your cycle of festivals go on. Yet I will besiege Ariel. She will mourn and lament. She will be to me like an altar hearth. I will encamp against you on all sides. I will encircle you with towers and set up my siege works against you. Brought low, you will speak from the ground. Your, your speech will mumble out of the dust. Your voice will come ghost-like from the earth. Out of the dust, your speech will whisper. But your many enemies will become like fine dust the ruthless hordes like blown chaff. Suddenly, in an instant, the Lord Almighty will come with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with windstorm and tempest and flames of a devouring fire. Then the hordes of all nations that fight against Ariel, that attack her and her fortress and besiege her, will be as it is with a dream, with a vision in the night, as when a hungry person dreams of eating, but awakens hungry still. As when a thirsty person dreams of drinking, but awakens faint and thirsty still. So will it be with the hordes of all the nations that fight against Mount Zion. Be stunned and amazed, Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. The Lord has brought you over 
a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes. He has covered your heads. For this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this please, they will answer, I can't, it is sealed. So when you think about that and think about, about what's being said, I think it kind of gives you a little direction in what, how not to get off or how not to go off in your own direction and to stay on God's path for us. The prophet Isaiah criticizes God's people for the way in which they made their plans. They failed to consult God. They did everything on their own without asking God. As a result, they had gone off in the wrong direction. They had gone off to Egypt without so much as asking God. Look what happened. The trouble with this and their plan, which sorely backfired on them, is they, they didn't really want to know God's plans. Their worship, if you can call it that, is a mere formality. Because they act like they're worshiping, but they don't mean it. It's just show. It's theater. Jesus says these words were not written simply for the people of Isaiah's day. He says to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That's in Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Because their hearts are not right with God, they go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord like they could. You can't hide anything from God. Nothing. You pretend you have the inside track. You think you do. So you shut God out and work behind the scenes to control your life, to control what you're doing, to take it upon yourself, to fight to grapple with what's ailing you, what's bothering you. Because you can win, right? You, you can overcome. Furthest thing from the truth. As God said, you make plans, but not mine. You make deals, but not in my spirit. Going off to Egypt without so much as asking me. That pretty much says it all, right? They didn't pray. They worshiped. They said they weren't really worshiping. They were, they were going through the motions, as sometimes all of us do in life. They were unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They said to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, they said, give us no more visions of what is right. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. They, they didn't want the prophets to give them any warnings. Just like that young man that was driving on the, the French Riviera. They ignored the warning signs. In fact, they wanted to take the warning signs off the road and leave this way, get off this path. A lot of times in my life, I have messed up by not consulting and talking to God but just charging ahead with my own plans, thinking that I can take control, I can win this, I can change something. 
that I control with mere power. And God is actively looking out for people to bless. The Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he lifts himself up, that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, serious justice at that. So I'm going to end with a prayer, a short one, and then a song that you can ask the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want to know your plans for me. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to come to you in repentance and rest, to walk in your path. In uh, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 37, 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. My favorite, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Isn't that just beautiful? So think about, before you go off on your own and you, you feel like you can control everything, as some people say, control your own destiny, that's a fallacy, that doesn't happen. God controls your destiny. Only he knows and manages it for you. Pay attention to the warning signs on the path to heaven. Don't stray. Because to stray from God's path is fraught with peril. Don't ignore the warning signs. Lest you be like that young man and uh, go over the cliff. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Jesus' name, pray to him. Ask him what plan he has for you. Listen to what he says and follow that path. In Jesus' name, amen.